Section 8 of Swordsman of Lost Terra by Paul William Anderson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Paul Harvey. The city loomed dark before him, reaching with stony fingers for the ever-glittering stars. A black stone it was, mountainous walls ringing in the narrow streets and the high gaunt houses. A city of night, city of darkness, Carey shivered. Behind the city rose a mountain, a deeper shadow against the frosty dark of heaven. It was a volcano, and from its mouth a red flame flapped in the keening wind. Sparks and smoke streamed over Ganneth's. There was a hot smell of sulfur in the bitter air. The fire added a faint blood-like tinge to the cold glitter of moonlight and starlight on the snowfields. There was a highway leading through the great main gates, and the glowing-eyed people of the Darklands were trafficking along it. Carey strode directly on his way, through the crowds and ever closer to the city. He wore the ordinary fur and leather dress of the country that he had stolen from an outlying house. The parka hood was drawn low to shadow his alien features. He went armed, as most men did, sword belted to his waist, and because he went quietly and steadily, nobody paid any attention to him. But if he were discovered, and a hue and cry went up, that would be the end of his quest. A dozen sleeps of running and hiding in the wild hills, shivering with cold and hunger, hunting animals, which could see where he was blind, and ever the men of Ganth on his trail. It would all go for naught. He would die, and Sothi would be bound to a hateful pledge, and Kalorn would in time be the home of strangers. He must finally have shaken off pursuit, he thought. Ranging through the hills, he had found no sign of the warriors who had scoured them before. So he had proceeded toward the city on his wild and hopeless mission. To find a woman and a weapon in the innermost citadel of a foe whose language even was unknown to him. Truly the gods must be laughing. He was close to the gates now. They loomed over him like giants, and the passage through the city wall was a tunnel. Soldiers stood on guard, and Carey lowered his head. Traffic streamed through. No one gave him any heed. But it was black as hell in the tunnel, and only a Ganastian could find his way. Blindly, Carey walked ahead, bumping into people, praying that none of the angry glances he got would unmask his pretense. When he came out into the street, the breath was sobbing in his lungs. He pushed on down its shadowy length, feeling the wind that howled between the buildings cold on his cheeks. But where to go now? Where to go? Blindly, he struck out toward the heart of town. Most rulers preferred to live at the center. The Ganasthi were a silent folk. Men stole past in the gloom, noiseless, save for the thin snow scrunching under their feet. Crowds eddied dumbly through the great market squares, buying and selling with a gesture or a whispered syllable. City of half-seen ghosts, 
Carrie felt more than half a ghost himself, shade of a madman flitting hopelessly to the citadel of the king of hell. He found the place at last, more by blind blundering through the narrow twisting streets than anything else. Drawing himself into the shadow of a building, across the way, he stood looking at it, weighing his chances. There was a high wall around the palace. He could only see its roof, but it seemed to be set well back. He spied a gate not too far off, apparently a secondary entrance, for it was small and only one sentry guarded it. Now, by all the gods, now! For a moment his courage failed him, and he stood sweating and shivering and licking dry lips. It wasn't fear of death. He had lived too long with the dark gods as comrade. He had but little hope of escaping alive from these nighted hills. But he thought of the task before him, and the immensity of it, and the ruin that lay in his failure, and his heartbeat nearly broke through his ribs. What, after all, could he hope to do? What was his plan, anyway? He had come to Ganath on a wild and hopeless journey, scarcely thinking one sleep ahead of his death-dogged passage. Only now, now he must reach a decision, and he couldn't. With a snarl, Carey started across the street. No one else was in sight. There was little traffic in this part of town, but at any moment someone might round either of the corners about which the way twisted and see what he was doing. He had to be fast. He walked up to the sentry, who gave him a haughty glance. There was little suspicion in it, for what had anyone to fear in the hearth of Ganath the Mighty? Carey drew his sword and lunged. The sentry yelled and brought down his pike. Carey battled the shaft aside even as he went by it. His sword flashed, stabbing for the other man's throat. With a dreadful gurgling, the guard stumbled and went clattering to earth. Now, quickly! Carey took the man's helmet and put it on. His own long locks were fair enough to pass for Ganastian at a casual glance, and the visor would hide his eyes. Shedding his parka, he slipped on the blood-stained tunic and the cloak over that. Taking the pike in hand, he went through the gate. Someone cried out, and feet clattered in the street and along the garden paths before him. The noise had been heard. Carey looked wildly around at the pale bushes of fungus that grew here under the moon. He crawled between the fleshy fronds of the nearest big one and crouched behind it. Guardsmen ran down the path. The moonlight blinked like cold silver on their spearheads. Carey wiggled on his stomach through the garden of fungus, away from the trail but toward the black palace. Lying under growth at the edge of a frost-silvered expanse of open ground, he scouted the place he must next attack. The building was long and rambling, seemingly four stories high, built of polished black marble. There were two guards in sight, standing warily near a door. The rest must have run off to investigate the alarm. Two. Carey rose, catching a stride even as he did, and dashed from the garden toward them. 
The familiar helmet and tunic might assure them for the instant he needed, but he had to run lest they notice. Bash tongue, shouted one of the men. His meaning was plain enough. Carey launched his pike at the other, who still looked a bit uncertain. It was an awkward throwing weapon. It brought him down wounded in a clatter of metal. The other roared and stepped forth to meet the assault. Carey's sword was out and whirring. He chopped at the pike shaft that jabbed at him, caught his blade in the tough wood, and pushed the weapon aside. As he came up face to face, he kneed the Ganassian with savage precision. The other man reached up and grabbed his ankle and pulled him down. Carey snarled, the rage of battle rising in him. It was as if the pipes of Broina skirled in his head. Fear and indecision were gone. He got his hands on the soldier's neck and wrenched. Even as the spine snapped, he was rising again to his feet. He picked up sword and pike and ran up the stairs and through the door. Now, Sathi. He had one ally in this house of hell. A long and silent corridor, lit by dim red cressets, stretched before him. He raced down it and his boots woke hollow echoes that paced him through its black length. Two men in the dress of servants stood in the room into which he burst. They stared wildly at him. He stabbed one, but the other fled screaming. He'd give the alarm, but there was no time to chase. No time. A staircase wound up toward the second story, and Carey took it, flying up three steps at a time. Dimly below him, he heard the frantic tattoo of a giant gong, the alarm signal. But the demon fury was fire and ice in his blood. Another servant gaped at him. Carey seized him with a rough hand and held the sword at his throat. Sathi, he snarled. Sathi, Rivan, Sathi. The Ganastian gibbered in a panic that seemed weird with his frozen face. Carey grinned viciously and pinked him with the blade. Sathi, he said urgently, Sathi of Rivan. Shaking, the servant led the way, Carey urging him ungently to greater speed. They went up another flight of stairs and down a hallway richly hung with furs and tapestries. Passing lackeys gaped at them, and some ran. Gods, they'd bring all Ganass down on his neck. Before a closed door stood a guardsman. Carey slugged the servant when he pointed at that entrance and ran to meet this next barrier. The guard yelled and threw up his pike. Carey's own long-shafted weapon clashed forth. They stabbed at each other, seeking the vitals. The guardsman had a cuirass, and Carey's point grazed off the metal. He took a ripping slash in his left arm. The Ganastian bored in, wielding his pike with skill, beating aside Carey's guard. End of section 8. Recording by Paul Harvey.